Good morning, everyone. I'm Joey Hungerford with the Bend International Church of Christ. And this morning, we're continuing our series through the book of Philippians, specifically in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Apostle Paul is writing this letter, and he's actually writing it under house arrest. And while under house arrest, he's able to set an example, an example of maturity, an example of looking not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And so getting into our lesson today and looking at these verses, Paul lays out what it means to have maturity in your Christian walk. He also shares with us how to share that with other people. How can we be mature as disciples and how can we share that maturity with other disciples? You know, I do want to start off with a word of prayer and obviously speak to our current situation. We're having this YouTube lesson because we're meeting as house churches in Bend, Oregon. Hundreds, thousands around the world are meeting as house churches and meeting virtually right now because of the COVID-19 outbreak. I certainly want to pray even here in Oregon, some disciples have tested positive for COVID-19. It's certainly spreading. It's certainly serious. We want to do our part as a church to look to the interests of others, to really live out this book of Philippians. That means we're going to do our part in social distancing. And even though we're social distancing, it doesn't mean we're going to cease doing church. No, we're going to keep on communing with one another. We're going to keep on contributing and we're going to keep on encouraging one another daily. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Father God, I I thank you for this morning. Lord, I, I thank you for this technology that can connect us as as odd as it is to to preach to a camera rather than an audience, Lord, I, I know that this is where people are at. I know that as people are scattered right now, we have to innovate. We have to find new ways to connect with one another, uh, new ways to preach your gospel, God. I pray we can do that this morning, but Father, I also pray for healing. I, I pray for the Portland church. I pray for the Seattle church, churches who are at the epicenter of this crisis. I, Pray for the church in Milan, Italy, God, our brothers and sisters in the faith who are dealing with this crisis, who are much closer to it than we are. God, I thank you for just the health of our congregation. I pray that we can continue to do our part. and Lord, that you can reveal to us what our part is in all of this. Uh, not just on Sunday morning, that it's our part to, <laughs> to sit and tune into the Zoom call, but throughout the week, God, what is our part? What can we do? I pray that you can reveal this to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read in Philippians chapter 3 and get a running start in verse 12. Paul writes, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now verse 15 through 17. Our focus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Paul, even in prison under house arrest, was able to set an example. 
in Christian maturity and in discipleship, to his fellow captors, to his household. You're probably watching this on YouTube. Maybe you're sitting on the couch at home in your own little house church right now. You can look to the person to your left, person to your right, and, and ask yourself, am I setting an example for them in maturity and discipleship? For the next few weeks, at least, we, we have to meet separately as households. That's a lot of extra responsibility. You may have just become a shepherd. You may have just become a deacon in your own little house church. You have the opportunity to live out Philippians by looking to the interests of those in your household. So in verse 15, Paul uses the word maturity. And he's actually already used this word multiple times in chapter 3, except it's translated as perfected. And so there's a slight difference there with that wording that our English doesn't quite do justice to. Paul says, hey, I, I, I've not yet reached perfection. I'm not yet with Jesus. I don't have the spiritual perfection. I'm not sinless yet. And then he says, hey, I'm not perfect. Therefore, let those of us who are perfect know that those of us who are mature. So what does mature mean? Well, those of us who are spiritually not babies, those of us who have a greater discernment, those of us who are more spiritually grown, those of us who have more experience, this Christian level of maturity. Uh, but it bears the mark because remember, uh, Paul just said, hey, I consider I have not yet attained it. I'm still running the race. I haven't arrived anywhere yet. Uh, he's not so arrogant to say, hey, I've got it all figured out. And, and as Christians, for us to be mature is to take on that same attitude to say, hey, I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm still growing. I still have more to learn. And you got to be careful because myself as a Christian, I've said this many times. So, oh yeah, I'm still growing. Oh yeah, I still got a lot to learn. Uh, but in my heart, I'm not actually actively trying to grow. And I'm not actually actively trying to learn. I just say this phrase with a, a false sense of humility of, oh yes, I still need to grow. Oh yes, I still need to be discipled. You see, we can say that phrase, but still be very lukewarm. So we need to live that out. We need to live out that maturity by admitting, hey, we still need to grow. We aren't mature yet. The mature Christian will say, I am not mature yet. Again, this is a maturity that actively is seeking to grow and realizes you have not yet arrived. And there's a mindset with this maturity. In verse 15, it says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Such a view of things, other translations, the, the same mind of things, have the same mindset about this. And in direct context, we've seen that before back in chapter 2 of Philippians, having the same mindset of Christ Jesus, a humble mindset. But it was more than just an attitude because Jesus took on this mindset. He humbled himself even to death death on a cross. Jesus had a mindset that changed his actions. He endured the worst suffering imaginable. So for us as Christians, if we're going to have this maturity, we're going to take on this mindset. It's more than simply changing our, our disposition or our attitude on something. It's actually changing our lifestyle. Paul is literally saying to us, you need to change your mind and change your walk. Uh, not just think you're going to follow Jesus, but actually follow Jesus. Participate in his sufferings. Experience the power of his resurrection. 
You need to ask yourself, it, it, when I'm running this race, uh, experiencing this upward call in Christ to Jesus, what is the purpose he has for me in my life? Am I seeking that out? Am I attaining it? Many of us, we stop short and, and we tell ourselves, I, I can't attain that. I, I can't be like Jesus or go to cross like Jesus did. And that's why Paul gives us the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. They did live it out. They risked their lives for the ministry. They looked to the interests of others. They suffered for Christ. They knew the agony of the Christian life. Paul says, hey, let those of us then who are mature, meaning there are multiple people who are living this way. It's not just Jesus. It's not just Paul. It's brothers and sisters in the Lord who we can imitate. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 23 says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. It's a change of mind and a change of lifestyle. Putting off your old self, taking on the new self, and being transformed by Jesus. Now, finishing out verse 15, if at some point any of you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. God will reveal it to you. And we've got to talk for a minute about how revelation works. He's not talking about searching for dreams or whispers in your ear. Oftentimes God actually reveals things to us that are right in front of our eyes. The Holy Spirit opens up our heart to a scripture that maybe we've read a dozen times. And then on that 13th time, we say, wow, that, that kind of applies to me. God reveals things that are right in front of us. Remember back in Matthew chapter 16, Peter goes to Jesus and says, yes, you are the Christ. And, and Jesus says, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. God will reveal things to you. He'll show you where you need to grow to have Christian maturity. He's going to make it clear to you. If you're falling short of His grace, falling short of the truth of the gospel, God will reveal it to you. Chiefly, that revelation is going to come through other Christians or through the Holy Spirit by the Word of God. We don't have to seek dreams. We don't have to seek signs or whispers. In fact, the, the Pharisees did that came to Jesus several times looking for a sign. And he said, no, my, my father's already revealed what you need to know, but you are blind to it. It was right in front of them and they failed to see it. That's the same thing for us as Christians. We can be so blind in thinking that we're mature and thinking that we've arrived, but not seeing all of these blind spots in our life where we need to grow. That's why we need to pray for God to reveal it to us. Uh, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show it to us in the scriptures. We need to ask for other Christians to show it to us, to point it out in our character. Where do we need to grow? You know, typically it requires all three of those elements, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and other Christians, for us to arrive at a conviction, for us to arrive at greater discernment. But we got to be careful when we're seeking this revelation. There can be a, a negative side to it as well. These days with the media, especially this week with the media, when there's changes and announcements every single hour, we always want to know what's happening here and now instantly. We, we want to know the new stuff. We want to get the latest and most accurate information. Sometimes it can be the same way in the church. We want the new stuff. We want the new announcement, the new news, the new revelation. 
We want the more radical out there theology. But again and again in Philippians, Paul doesn't go to radical theology. He keeps going back to Jesus Christ and the gospel. He doesn't mind repeating the same things again and again and again to them. And in the church, we need to not mind repeating the gospel again and again and again. Growing in our knowledge, our depth of insight on it, the more we look at the gospel, the deeper we're going to press on and pursue Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, take a look at Jesus. Take a look at digging deeper into the gospel. Many of us, we, we want the new revelation. We say things like, oh, I, I haven't really felt God lately. I haven't really heard from God lately. God seems silent, yet our Bible will lie there collecting dust on the shelf. And what we mean by that is usually my own private personal hotline by which I get direct curated information from God doesn't seem to be working right now. It's very revealing for us to say statements like that when we're not willing to obey what we already know from the Word of God. Consider that for your Christian maturity. As we seek to know new things, are you refusing to obey what you already know? You know, I've fallen myself there this past week where I uh, rather than going to the Word of God first thing in the morning, I'll, I'll go to the morning CDC updates. And I go to all these other uh, alarmist articles, and I, I want to know all of the new information. But what tends to happen when I go to the media first, before the Word of God, is I'm being conformed to, shaped by the media, rather than the Word of God. I'm not centering on the Gospel, and I'm not centering on Jesus. I'm not pressing on with a focus into the Word. I'm getting distracted and, and even anxious by what the media is representing to me. You know, I encourage you if, you, if you are falling out of sync with your quiet times, if you haven't been in the Word lately because of distractions, God will reveal that to you. <laughs> and He'll also show you how you can get back in that habit, how you can draw closer to Him. As confident as Paul is that God will reveal this to you, he was also very confident back in chapter 1, verse 6, that the work Jesus began in you, he will complete. God's still working on you. In fact, God takes a lot of serious initiative for our growth and our understanding. As he helps us along in that walk, he, he wants us to take responsibility in holding to what we've already attained, but also pressing on to what we have not yet attained. Verse 16, let's read. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Uh, quite a simple verse, but track it so far, what Paul is saying to the Philippians. Uh, at first he's saying, hey, Jesus began a good work in you. Uh, then they attained some of this maturity. They, they reached the noob level, um, but they had not yet arrived at perfection. So Paul says, hey, Press on. Be focused. Keep running that race. He says, you know, God's going to reveal what you still need, the knowledge that you still need to attain. Hold on to that. When you arrive at that, hold on to that maturity and then seek even more maturity and do this in the strength and the wisdom that God reveals and the power of his Holy Spirit. It, it, see, it's quite a path, all of these levels of the Christian life, seeking out maturity. But it starts with Jesus' power and ends with Jesus' power. Right here, verse 16, holding to what we've already attained. There's a lot of responsibility there. 
uh, it, it means holding true to it. Again, not just in our mindset, but in our new path, in, in our new life. You know, holding to what we've already attained, living up to what we already attained. It's more than just a change of mind. It's more than just an attitude. It's committing and aligning our lives around the convictions that we've developed. It's following it through. It's ordering our lives around what we've arrived at. You know, I encourage you with that. If you're intimidated by everything you still need to know to have Christian maturity, Paul says, hey, no, just hold to what you've already attained. The little that you do know, are you committing to that? If you do have a conviction about what God wants you to do, are you obeying that? If everything hasn't yet been revealed to you, I believe right now God's revealed to you what you need to know in order to obey Him right here and right now. Are we committing and obeying to what God has already revealed to us? The maturity we've already achieved, the convictions we've already put on our heart, are we ordering our lives around those? Again, that's why Paul doesn't go into deep theology, but he keeps repeating the gospel and Jesus again and again and again. There's a beginner's class of the gospel and certainly an advanced class of the gospel. And I'm somewhere in between. I'm still learning more and more about Jesus. The more you look at the gospel, the deeper you will understand Jesus. The more you'll cultivate this relationship with him, knowing Jesus, experiencing his love. It will keep offering deeper wisdom and deeper revelation the more you look at it, the more you fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, the gospel, it gives us the power to live faithfully, to walk obediently. It's the means by which we're transformed into the likeness of Christ. So what we've already attained, even the small things, even the most basic concepts that we get from the gospel, we need to commit to them, guys. In all of our toiling and striving and pressing on and trying to attain, are we holding true to the gospel? You know, coming into verse 17, there is a means and a strategy that Paul gives for how we can stay gospel-centered and Jesus-centered and hold to what we've already attained but press on to yet even more. Chapter 3, verse 17 reads, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, uh, it says to imitate the faith of our leaders. And that's the kind of imitation that Paul is talking about here with setting our eyes on others as an example. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it says even the youth can set an example in speech, in purity, in, in many ways, an example for others to follow. I've been arrogant myself in the past to say, you know, I, I only need to follow Jesus. Yeah, I just got to fix my eyes on Jesus. Why, why would I have to follow all of these other fallen human beings? Like, I don't want to follow these people. Uh, what could I possibly have to learn from someone who's younger than me? But that's actually very unbiblical. Paul says, follow others. Keep your eyes on us, on the Timothys, on the Epaphroditus, on people who are walking this walk. You know, even in this time of my life, I, I got to look around. I, I got to look for other disciples who I can imitate and learn from. I have to look for good Christian fathers as I'm soon to be a father. 
They can teach me so much about fatherhood, show me so many scriptures, and I need those men in my life. I can't be arrogant and say, oh, I'll have it figured out. I don't need any discipling in this area. You see, Paul asks us to follow the example of other human beings to the extent that they are following Christ. If Paul wasn't following Christ, then we shouldn't follow Paul. I am very grateful that God gives us the dignity of being able to reflect Him, being able to pursue Him, being able to lead others to Him. Engaging in discipleship, it gives one a lot of dignity that, hey, someone can imitate me as I am imitating Christ. He's given us a tremendous responsibility to do that. And that's what discipleship is. It's the, the imitation of Christ in another. It, Paul wasn't trying to just create a bunch of clones of himself. <laughs> no, he, he wanted them to hold to what they had already attained. To fix our eyes on Christians who are walking the walk. You know, I really want all of us to ask ourselves, how do you feel about following the example of another Christian to the extent that they are following Christ? How do you feel about that? If you're watching this from home right now on the couch, really look to that person on your left, to the, to the roommate on your right. Have you taken the responsibility of pursuing discipleship from them? Have you taken the responsibility of discipling them if they're pursuing it from you? We have this responsibility to one another, even as Christians, to keep on evangelizing each other, keep on sharing the word with each other, keep on calling each other back to the gospel to imitate us as we imitate Christ. It's a mark of true maturity in Christians when they're actively pursuing discipleship and actively making disciples. That means a mature Christian, they're going to look to the, the habits, the temperaments, the customs, and the fruit of other mature disciples. And then after studying them, imitating them, they're going to take on those customs habits, temperaments, and the fruit of those disciples as well. So if, if you're lacking in an area of your Christian walk, look for a disciple who's great at that. Look for a disciple who, who's running the race and they're a bit ahead of you in that area of their Christian walk. You know, early on, uh, believe it or not, I, I'm not a, an extrovert. I'm actually an introvert. And I had a personality that wasn't too social when I first became a disciple. It intimidated me a lot, just the thought of sharing my faith with another person. Uh, but after being around disciples and imitating them, after seeking out discipleship in that form, saying, saying, hey, Madison, can you please come out and share your faith more with me on campus? I, I got more and more used to it as I imitated the walk of disciplers in my life who are good at evangelism. I, I myself got a little bit better at evangelism. We need to find others to imitate in the areas where God has revealed we still need growth. You need to identify those mature followers in Christ and get as close to them as they let you. They may get annoyed sometimes and they may say, hey buddy, that's too close. And, and they don't have to be perfect. You don't have to wait around for a perfect Christian or for your favorite speaker to seek discipling from. You don't have to find a perfect Christian to follow. You just have to find a mature Christian who's following Jesus. Imitate where they're doing that well.
You know, this week the, the internet's been flooded with so many resources, uh, podcasts, live streams, everyone's become a televangelist, and these are really great resources. They can help us out a lot. But that virtual community is never going to replace the need to have living examples in the flesh. Somebody you know and can have a personal relationship with in your discipleship. You can't just have a YouTube pastor and a podcast can't disciple you. You need a living, breathing example to imitate. Even with all of the great resources on the internet that you could go to to increase in your Christian maturity, you need to seek out a living, breathing example. Your responsibility to seek discipleship and disciple-making. These days, it's easier than ever with that technology. It only takes five seconds to send a text to cultivate that discipling relationship. You know, I want to read a verse and ending it out. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is still called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It, it might be inconvenient to seek out that relationship, seek out that discipling, but it's worth the effort. Paul says it's essential to hold to what we've attained and to press on to even more. It's his first practical strategy for how we do that, this discipleship. It's worth the effort, even though it might inconvenience our schedule. Even though during this time of social distancing, we might have to download a new app in order to connect. We might have to make more phone calls during this time than we're used to making in our routine lives. You know, one byproduct that we should have from those discipling relationships is encouraging one another daily so that nobody is hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And that's exactly what happens to me when, when others aren't encouraging me. I get deceived. I get arrogant. I start to think I'm mature. I, I don't need to be in God's Word daily. I begin to think I'm mature. I've, I've arrived. I don't need more discipleship in my life. I, I begin to be deceived in my heart and think I, I don't need encouragement. I, I just need to, to panic. I need to react to everything that's happening. I, I get deceived and my heart gets hardened and I think nobody else in the church really needs to hear from me or would want to talk to me or have my encouragement, be encouraged by me, or nobody would want to encourage me either. I need to not have that deceitful thinking. Rather, live out the scripture of encourage one another daily. If that's the first step for you in pursuing discipleship, then start there. The person on your left on the couch, the person on your right on the couch. Are you taking on the mindset of looking to their interests and encouraging them during this time? It's so easy for us to get deceived and so easy for us to get distracted and discouraged. Even amongst our roommates, we can be living with each other as Christians and yet neglect one another, not encourage each other, not disciple each other. You know, I, I think these days about how, how scattered the church is from house to house and I believe it's a great time for Christians to innovate. How can we live out our discipleship even when we're social distancing? My old disciple, Kelly Boyd, I think about it a lot these days. He always used to challenge us by saying, get up off the Christian couch. Yet now we're actively choosing to stay on the Christian couch in order to save lives. So I need to innovate to say, how can I seek discipling? Or how can I encourage others from that Christian couch?
Maybe it's sending a Marco Polo. Maybe it's making a prayer call. Maybe it's just encouraging the roommates that are on that couch with me. Hey, would you take a selfie with me? Hey, could I give you an encouragement card and write down some just words of affirmation, what I appreciate about you? Uh, see, that's on the most basic level how we can hold to what we've already obtained and pursue even more in Christian maturity. It's a discipleship that's essential for us hearing the same things again and again and again. That gospel of grace, truth, and power. So guys, I leave that with you. I encourage you to hold to it. Hold to it and look to the examples of those who are holding even closer to it. We want to imitate their lifestyle. We want to engage in discipleship, even in our current circumstance. I love you guys. God bless.